We met in Peru, and what took us to Peru was an organization called the Gesundheit Institute. I asked her to marry me, and she said no. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I like when we tell the story, I I forget that it's not normal. It's not normal. <laughs> not everybody um, meets after a scavenger hunt. Hello, welcome to Vermont Untapped, a podcast from the Vermont Folklife Center that explores the state through the voices of its own residents. I'm Mary Wesley. This month, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, we're sharing stories of how romantic couples first met. Encounters neatly encapsulated by the delightful phrase, meet cute. The meet cute is as old as love itself. The term, which is found in the Oxford English Dictionary, refers to the conditions under which two potential partners meet. Your true love could be on the other side of the desk at a job interview, at the end of a scavenger hunt, or the last one out of the clown car. Yes, these are all true stories. And yes, you're about to hear them. And yes, they are indeed awfully cute. Most of these interviews were conducted by Vermont Folklife Center staff. They're the voices of our friends, neighbors, and families. In some ways, these are different from the longer, in-depth interviews that we usually record for the archive. These are short and sweet. But they're part of the everyday lives of Vermonters, and I think they're pretty fun to listen to. Through the interviews that I recorded for this episode, I learned something new about people I've known for years. This is what the Vermont Folklife Center is all about, learning through listening. So get ready to hear from Eric and Jenny, Polly and Jim, Kevin and Mike. They tell us in their own words how love found them when they were looking for something else. Here are the meat cutes We met in Peru. And what took us to Peru was an organization called the Gesundheit Institute. And it's run by Patch Adams, who many people might be familiar with from the movie starring Robin Williams. And the Gesundheit Institute, uh, the clown is definitely part, a big part of what they do. But um, Patch Adams uh, has medical training and the focus of the organization was really on health in, the, in a really broad sense. So, yeah, there I was, not necessarily having had a ton of experience with using clown as a instrument for art or social justice, but there I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess for me, I mean, it's funny the things that happen that change the course of your life, really, but I was... Um, enrolled in a clown course at the National Centre for Circus Arts in London. It was just a course I was doing on the side of my other employment. And um, somebody I met there told me that they'd been reading a book by Patch Adams. I thought, well, that sounds interesting. And I looked up the organisation the next day and um, realised that they did these different... They travelled to different parts of the world and that they were going to be in Peru in August of that year, and I was already planning to be in Peru for several months that year. I emailed them and said, well, I'd really like to come and join you. Um, And they emailed me back and said, sure, sure thing, come along. So that was the little strange little, you know, had she not mentioned that book, I probably wouldn't have have been there at all. Mm. Yeah. So then you met 
a whole bunch of Americans. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been in Peru several months. I've been working. I, I bef- prior to that, I'd been working at this performing arts education organization in London, and it was great work, but it was really admin based, and I was ready to sort of work more with kids and th- this. And plus, I had itchy feet. I was like in my mid twenties, and I just wanted to travel. That there, I was on a plane because you could only get to Iquitos in Peru by plane or by boat. On a small plane to um, this town in the Amazon, and um, then had to once got to the airport, had to take a little moto taxi, and suddenly was surrounded by a huge crowd of seemed like an enormous crowd of Americans and Peruvian clowns or people just dressed in unusual clothes <laughs> put it that way and that's how the adventure began and I quickly met Eric and another woman who I mean there were about 60 of us so you kind of needed to find your your buddies um and uh you you just became one of my good friends didn't you during that week 10 days yeah and so we, we were in Iquitos, which is essentially like a gateway town to the Amazon. It's a strange place. You know, there's a lot of foreign visitors who are coming in and getting boat rides into the Amazon and coming and going. And next to Iquitos is this little town called Berlin. That was definitely one of the most different places I had ever been in traveling as a young person so far. So... To find a, a core group of friends in that environment that she could kind of cling together and, and uh, stick together and enjoy it, but also kind of some of the challenges of, of being in that environment kind of made this bond stronger, I think. Yeah, and there were moments where we were going to clown, you know, or going to visit places, and it was sometimes nerve wracking mm-hmm. to suddenly, I mean, I had done some clowning but to suddenly be in an AIDS hospice mm-hmm. as a clown you know and we needed to support each other didn't we um mm-hmm. and um take care of each other then yeah over the week we just I don't know just started to realize oh I quite like this guy <laughs> yeah. I think I mean that when you're in a in scenarios like we were where you're doing work in prisons or in uh, shelters for for children or you know these environments that kind of make you i don't know just think about life in a deeper way i guess yeah. and you know you meet somebody that um you're, it's i think it's kind of a environment prime to connect and we definitely did pretty quickly yeah and then i guess you probably if you weren't going to tell this part, I was. But I very cunningly, we were painting houses as part of the project. Um, Towards the end of our time. Yeah, mm. and I I kind of arranged so that Jenny and I would be <laughs> going to ask some people to switch spots with me so that we could spend the day painting houses together. And I think that day... That became paint chat, didn't it? Yeah, that day was kind of... The beginning of like, oh wow, we really like each other. Just, yeah, really sort of understand each other, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had to say goodbye um, because Eric was leaving Peru and most of the clowns, whether Peruvian or from the States, most of the other clowns were from the States, were going back to their homes and 
so we went to the airport and I said goodbye because I was still planning to stay in Peru and um yeah I remember seeing you all funnel through the gate and it was sort of almost like all this all the color and this color and magic was like funneling away <laughs> but we had this hug and at the airport that someone took a photo of and um this was like 2007 was it so mm. um I had a digital camera at that time but after you'd all left, I went the next day to the, the camera shop to get my digital photo developed. And it was only after I got the photo developed and I looked at the picture of us both hugging that I thought, oh, 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 right. <laughs> maybe that wasn't just a holiday romance. You know, maybe that was, it was just the way that you were holding me. And never felt someone mm. kind of, embraced me quite like that before so yeah and then we just started writing didn't we yeah yeah we wrote a lot yeah um, we probably we probably filled a book but yeah so that continued for and, a while and then I think that the next step was you know am I going to go travel to see her um, and I just so happened that one of she was living in London and one of my cousins was there for a period of time doing some work and so I called up my I got in touch with my cousin and explained the situation and said can I come visit um <laughs> you know and I figured well if if Jenny doesn't want anything to do with me at least I'll get a trip to London and see my cousin but it kind of created a, a slightly lower stakes way to go over there and then just get together again and you see work, if there was yeah. a spark. You worked for three months in an organic food shop to save up enough for the ticket. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Yep. Anyway, he came to London and um, we just had a lovely time, didn't we? And you brought, and brought with him a line drawing that he'd made based on the photo of the two of us hugging. And... I think that was probably the most thoughtful and sweetest, nicest thing that anyone had ever done for me. And, um, um, but yeah. yeah. But the whole time, some, you know, people were supportive, but it was kind of, you know, this assumption that, oh, this will run Long its distance course. relationships never work. Oh, this will never work. They do if yeah. you're willing to just put in, like, a lot of effort. Yeah just be really stubborn as, yes as well. that's what it's about just being stubborn but then I moved to the states and it was probably three years later from when we'd first met yeah so it was a, um, it was a process yeah which was um, pretty scary to be frank like leaving my life in London all my friends and family um, I felt like um, I was just sort of pin pinching my nose and jumping into the abyss but was, a bit turned out to be okay. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't without its challenges, but yeah. here we are, eight years later. Yeah, feels nice to tell the story. Yeah, it does. Yeah. We we met at um, our office, which at that uh, point in time we didn't own. We. It's a travel agency, American International Travel Service on Church Street, and uh, I had come right out of college and 
uh, gone to work there, and uh, because uh, Liz Jeffords uh, was a friend of mine, and so she said, there's an opening, are you interested? And I said, sure. So before I knew it, I was the manager of the office and uh, was in the hiring mode. Polly came in, and I interviewed her, and uh, she was a very interesting person, and uh, I hired her. So that's how we met. This very pleasant young man interviewed me, and I was terribly nervous, and he kind of put me at my ease and hired me, and I was so grateful because, uh, you know, I was majoring in 16th century French literature, which I quickly discovered wasn't really marketable, and yet he hired me, and uh, even though I had never done any traveling at all. There, there are times in the travel business when it's exceptionally busy and you work late hours, and so we had been working late hours, and I... And, invited her to go to dinner at a little diner, and uh, I think that was probably our first date after a long day, and then uh, one evening out led to another, and I discovered a different person in Polly, which really um, perked my interest. She had long, dark hair, and uh, she wore high heels and black uh, dress and sang like Joan Baez and played the guitar <laughs> so uh, this was pretty fascinating to me and uh, at that time there was a there was a coffee house on Church Street I can't remember what it was called the loft was the it? loft the loft and we used to go up to the loft and we listened to poetry which I never understood and uh, we'd go to movies which I never understood uh, there were a lot of the uh, Swedish movies at the time, and and people stared at each other for long periods of time, and you're supposed to figure out a whole uh, bunch of emotions they were going through. I never could. And uh, anyway, that's how we met. And uh, we, I remember so often when we were when we were going out, we say, you know, we must really stop seeing each other because this is not good. We're in the same office and and this this kind of thing never never works out but uh, she was there a couple of years and I asked her to marry me and she said no and um, you know she said no several times but I was persistent and uh, she finally said yes <laughs> years ago now we met in Ljubljana in Slovenia the capital of Slovenia which is a delightful beautiful little town kind of charming middle European town with a castle on a hill surrounded by winding streets I mean it's straight out of a fairy tale and I was there well you Mike was there um, to do some you were there to do some writing. No, to do some. No, you were there. I was doing <laughs> some writing. Who knows? He definitely doesn't remember. How we I was there to do I'll some writing. It's almost seven years ago now. I was there to do some writing. He was doing his master's. Um, yeah. Yes. I was studying there for a semester. Yeah. So my program was built so that we um, 
had a different semester, actually in a different, not just different university, but a different country. And so the second semester of that program was in Slovenia, and I was in Ljubljana with my classmates. And Kevin was there doing some writing. Mm-hmm. Um, we met first on the internet, as one does these days. Mm-hmm. And then I was busy with school, and I think we were both sort of like disillusioned and skeptical about internet dating. Mm-hmm. And didn't really want to, like, put too much... I certainly didn't want to put too much effort into it because I didn't really have too much faith in it. Um, yeah, I think we also just thought, like... I think we wanted to do something, like, different. And so, well, you had the idea of, like, um, doing a scavenger hunt. Um, so we would meet at the end of a scavenger hunt. So we actually met, quote-unquote, online on a Thursday, and we chatted, quote-unquote, online for a few hours like kind of sending messages back and forth at the end of which we agreed not to meet the next day um but to meet the following day so on a saturday um at the end of a scavenger hunt which i would put together because Mm -hmm. he was too busy it was his idea my brilliant idea but kevin's very brilliant execution Mm -hmm. and it was challenging so here i am i'm like i have friday free I've just met this person online. We have, like, I barely know what he looks like, but we had chatted, and there was some kind of connection in that in that, in that that chat. And I have to, like, put together a scavenger hunt, like, around, like, this beautiful um, city of, of, of Ljubljana. It was hard, because on the one hand, one didn't want to make it too easy, um, that he would kind of, kind of it'd be done in five minutes, and he'd be like, this is, like, this guy's lame. Or make it too hard and he would give up halfway through and then I would like never meet like the love of my life and that would you know I would just my life would just spiral out of control you know um after that point so I had to kind of kind of come up with something so I I spent the next day kind of figuring out like walking around and getting a sense of what I wanted to put in there and then on the Saturday morning I went around and like wrote clues out and I taped them to like under park benches and you know to lampposts and like they were like and there were little treats along the way oh little treats like there was a bar of chocolate that I got as a reward I think about halfway through the scavenger just to like but again it was weird I mean it's so weird when I look back to think here I was doing this for somebody I mean I had never met I'd not spoken to but again just having that sense of like I guess knowing I think in some weird way I don't know and so, Saturday, 3 p.m., I think, came, you went to the designated starting point. 3 p.m., you remember uh, the time. Yeah, I think it was, th- I mean, 3 o'clock, it was just, like, very, like, you know, 3 o'clock. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then you basically, the idea was that he would have to find a clue and then answer a question, and then once he texted me the, the correct answer, I would then text him back with, like, directions to the next clue or something like that. Mm-hmm. How was this Covenger hunt? Well, that was the thing. I think, like, I, I had really pretty good. high standards for that scavenger hunt. Again, I didn't want it to be too brief because I would have thought that was lame. But I also didn't want it to be, like, way over the top because it would have been like, oh, no, 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 that's frightening. Um, and it was perfect. It was, if I had designed a scavenger hunt, I think it would, I would hope it would have been kind of like that one. Um, and so I sort of felt like even before I met Kevin in the flesh... Based on our, like, internet chat, but also based on that scavenger hunt experience, I sort of knew, like, this guy is, like, right up my alley, you know? Like, there's something different and something special about this. Um, And little did I know that you were, like, following me around 
well, while I was on the scavenger. Kind of like the opposite of following. I was, what is, I don't know what the opposite of following is. Pre, pre-following, preceding. Uh-huh. pre-ceding. But because like, I knew exactly where he was going to go. So I was kind of like, but like kind of creepily like spying. Like spying on me. From a distance. Um, yeah, it was all very exciting. And then, you know, the nice thing was um, the prize was basically like I had this rooftop um, where I lived and the prize was to like have like, like a glass of wine or something. And we we had the glass of wine, and then you had to go to meet your friends for dinner, and so he did, and it just, that was really nice in some ways because it was just very like oh, it, right from the beginning it felt very normal, you know, and very casual, just very like oh, we had a glass of wine, um, and then you met your friends for dinner, and then you actually I think met messaged me and said oh why don't you come and meet everyone, which was also very interesting for me because. My previous relationships, if I can even call them that, were full of like drama and I don't know, I just and kind of maybe secrecy as well, particularly, you know, as a as a as a gay man. And Internalized so, homophobia. Yeah, on all sorts of things going on. Whereas so then that later that evening I went to this pub um to meet um to meet Mike and his um cohort his classmates from his masters and immediately it was just oh everyone was excited to to see me and it just kind of i felt like i swept up into this the bosom of this wonderful family that you were or kind of student body that you were mm-hmm. um it was a pretty magical setting i think to be a student to be part of a, a cohort like that and then to fall in love in a, a city of that nature i mean um I, I don't know of many other cities or places really that are quite so romantic just um, by themselves. But then when you actually fall in love in them, I mean, it's like kind of crazy that that could actually happen. And um, it's all been downhill since there, huh? <laughs> That's not exactly true. Mike and Kevin have been married for six years now and are living in New Hampshire while Mike finishes nursing school. They hope to return to Vermont, or Europe, soon. Mike used to work with us here at the VFC, and it was so fun to hear this story. Okay, before we close, I want to share one more short story from my own personal family archive. A few years before both my grandparents died, I did some interviews with them. As I put this episode together, I remembered that in those recordings, I have the story of how John Wesley met Margaret Putnam. And it's pretty cute. All right, that, this is 1944, and we're coming up to the first chemistry lab, and something happened so that the lab met in that particular class before the class ever had met. You mean 46? 46, yeah, probably. Over, right? yeah. 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 46. And so here I am in... My first chemistry lab, and Wendell Wright is there. Wendell is a great guy from St. Johnsbury, Vermont, uh, but Wendell is married already. But he was my choice for lab partner when we all joined up there. But then I kept looking around because there weren't too many men back at then. That's very early in the whole program. And there were probably four, maybe five other guys. But I watched those four guys, and every single one of them went to this young lady's locker and tried to open the locker. Turned the things, turned the things, 
Nobody could open the locker. I said to Wendell, hey, I can't understand why nobody opens that locker. I got to go try myself. I went up to this young lady's locker, turned the handle, and me and God opened that locker. <laughs> and that, my dear, was your grandmother. <laughs> Thanks to all those who shared their stories with us. And I want to thank my VFC co-workers who helped record stories for this episode, Andy Kolovos and Trish Denton. We actually have more stories than we could fit in this show. So if you want to listen to the whole collection and also hear extended cuts of the stories in the episode, check out our show notes at vtfolklife.org untapped. As I mentioned earlier, I hope you might be inspired to learn how to record your own stories about love or anything else. The Vermont Folklife Center has just announced its spring lineup of community workshops that cover a whole range of topics from how to make audio recordings for oral history and ethnography to how to use storytelling for social change. These workshops are being hosted around the state in White River Junction, Middlebury, and Burlington, starting in late March. Registration is open now. Visit our website, www.vtfolklife.org, to view the full listing and sign up. We would love to meet you. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Vermont Folklife. Episodes of Vermont Untapped are released monthly. We'll see you in March. Our theme music, Variations on Green Mountain Petronella, was performed by Dave Hoy. Our logo was designed by Kat Rizos. Vermont Untapped is produced by Erica Fergiwelli and me, Mary Wesley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>